welcome to Revolutionary Women. My name is Tess Silverman. Women around the world are constantly creating ways to make a difference in their communities, and today's guest is no exception. My guest today is Dr. Taryn Fletcher. Dr. Fletcher is a life coach and the founder and CEO of Truly POC, Inc. Truly POC, Inc., helps educators and parents become culturally immersed in BIPOC experiences and take action. In her programs, people learn from one another and see the beauty and resilience in BIPOC experiences in order to buck dated systems and create a future we can all be proud of. Dr. Fletcher is also a former deputy superintendent, best-selling author, sought-after speaker, and award-winning community educational leader. Her book, In All Lanes, is an Amazon bestseller in three categories. She's also a wife and mother from the first state, Delaware. Hi, Dr. Fletcher. Welcome to Revolutionary Woman. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing so well. Thank you so much for having me here. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for coming on the show. Um, So let's get started. I have a lot of questions for you. Um, So I read that you grew up in Chester, Pennsylvania. Uh, What was it like for you growing up in Pennsylvania? And and where is that in relation to, I guess, um, Allentown? Are you anywhere near that? Were you anywhere near that? (laughs) So Chester is actually closest to Delaware. Oh, okay. It's about 10 minutes from North Wilmington. Okay. Um, And I would say it's roughly about an hour maybe an hour and a half uh, to Allentown. So mm. it's it's pretty far away, but we are familiar with Allentown because that's where Darney Park is. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. that's where the fun happens. Yes. Um, and, you know, Kutztown is not too far from, Kutztown University is not too far from Allentown, and I actually have relatives that attend the school. So I'm familiar with the Allentown area. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to get a point of reference because that's basically the only place I know in Pennsylvania, yeah. <laughs> like, other than Philly. Um, but right, that's, you know, right. that's, those are the big thing, the two big towns that I, I know of. Um, so what was it like for you growing up where you were? Yeah. So, you know what, it was pretty interesting, my living and growing situation with Chester, um, because I actually went to school in Chester and my father worked in Chester and my grandparents were there. So I had a ton of roots Uh in Chester while my mother and father actually also had a residence in Newcastle, Delaware. So the interesting thing about that was I consider myself growing up in Chester because I really spent most of my formative years there. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the, the living situation was this. So Monday morning, my dad worked the morning shift, the first shift, he would actually wake me up around four in the morning. We'd get in the car, Mm -hmm. we'd go to my grandmother's house. I'd actually be dressed and ready for the day and for school. Uh I'd spend the next few hours sleeping on her bed (laughs) and waiting, (laughs) kind of like getting my last little nap in Uh before my day would begin because my father had to work shift work. And then he'd come and pick me up. Um, Sometimes it'd be later in the evening, maybe 6 or 7 p.m., depending on what his schedule required of him. And Mm -hmm. then I would come back home and we'd start that all over again. Wow. So 
I didn't spend a whole lot of time in Newcastle, Delaware mm-hmm. until I was about um, 11 or 12 years old. So oh, wow. okay. I really, I didn't really have a ton of friends uh-huh. um, in Delaware. I had a few that were just living on my street, which mm-hmm. were very close to me, but most of my best friends and my school friends, mm-hmm. they were in Chester, which is oh. why I just consider myself growing up in Chester. <laughs> okay, got it. Okay, and so I also read that the women in your family, your mom, your aunts and grandmother, yeah. grandmothers, had a great influence on in you growing up. How so? Yeah, well, first of all, my grandmother, Geneva, she was quite a bold and brazen woman. I mean, just to kind of think of the times, um, you know, when she was in her 20s and in her 30s, she actually was the manager of um, a community bank inside of Chester, PA. So Mm -hmm. she was a pretty influential woman in her community. And you think about a woman, a black woman at Mm -hmm. that time, Mm -hmm. running a bank. Hmm. I mean, she was not only influential, she was pretty powerful Uh at that time too. And so, you know, spending so much time with her, as I just shared, going to and from school, hanging out with her during the day while my parents worked. Uh I mean, she was very much influential in making sure that not only I was a confident young lady, Mm -hmm. but I was aware of Mm. the possibilities in the world. And I was also aware of the, the things that were in our way, the barriers Mm. in the world too. And that Mm -hmm. she saw me as someone in the future, helping to remove those barriers for other people, just as she was. So she was super influential. I spent most of my days with her, but on my mother's side, Mm -hmm. so um, my mother is one of seven. Oh, wow. And she only has one brother. So the oh. rest of her siblings are sisters. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Yeah. That's so, awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah. So when I wasn't being like groomed to be a strong woman with my grandmother, Geneva, mm-hmm. I was then, you know, hanging out with my cousins and being around my aunts who were also pretty strong women mm-hmm. and were singing the same kind of song and dance of the importance of knowing who you are, Mm -hmm. standing firm in who you are, and making sure you're bringing that those gifts to the world. And so I just always knew women were powerful. And I just continue to kind of speak that language with anywhere that I go. That's amazing. And and, uh, obviously, that support or that influence um, yeah. or be, them being your role models, you know, help you mm-hmm. realize what you wanted to be in the future? Is that? Is yeah, that I so? think yeah. so, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, especially when you have strong women in your family who know who they are and who know where they are in a, or where they are in the world. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty impressive. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, you, you kind of walk the world differently, you know, mm-hmm. um, when you recognize that what you bring to the table is is a gift. But it, I, you know what, even though I had such a great foundation, I was still kind of like everyone else in that you can get different messages along the way too. And mm-hmm. then it just makes you question yeah. what you've heard or what you've learned versus what maybe the world is showing you. So right. Right. Um, even though I had those strong influences, it didn't keep me from questioning myself mm. sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and so. Um, of course, yeah. 
I mean, reflecting on that. Yeah, I mean, inside of the family environment, you know, you don't realize until you're out of that environment what's around you that, you know, that other, uh, I guess, other, um, not so much, well, I guess, other, uh, what word am I looking for? Uh, not so much triggers, but there there are different influences around mm-hmm. that you know that affect who you are when you're out in the world, because you're not in 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 a protective environment. You're out in the world, right. and you're you know it's like well okay now what do I do? How do I handle you know any conflict? So, but okay so Dr. Fletcher, you are the founder and CEO of Truly POC. Now, what is Truly POC about and what prompted you to create it? Yes. So um, Truly POC, which we call Truly POC, we call it out as POC. Mm -hmm. Um, And POC stands for power, opulence, and consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, most of the time when we hear BIPOC or just POC in general, we we create that acronym or we align that acronym Mm -hmm. with um, people of color. And so... Right. It most certainly is connected in that way, but looking at the idea of being a person of color mm-hmm. as being someone who's powerful, being someone who ha- who is of opulent culture, and being someone who is conscious of the world around them and mm-hmm. brings about consciousness in others. Mm-hmm. And so Truly Pac is a professional learning company, um, and it really helps leaders and um, organizations really attract, train, and retain cultural rock stars. Hmm. And so cultural cultural rock stars are, are teams who amplify voice, they value inclusivity, and they cultivate the next generation of diverse thinkers and leaders. And so we mostly work with schools and youth-based organizations Mm -hmm. we work with educators we work with parents Mm -hmm. really helping them to use culturally and socially responsive and relevant practices Mm -hmm. whether they be at home at school or inside their community okay thank you for doing that so what but what gave you the idea of starting this initiative yeah, well, I mean, there's so many influences. I mean, I think we, we were talking about that a little bit about how whether you're inside your bubble or outside in the world, there's so many things that can influence you to mm-hmm. either continue the work you're doing or create change mm-hmm. um, based on what you've experienced. And yes. I think mine is a little bit of both. So um, I started Truly Pac truly because I had spent so much time in the education field, Mm -hmm. um, close to two decades now. And I'm still an educator, but in a traditional sense, working and running and leading schools, I had spent close to two decades doing that. Mm -hmm. And in every school environment that I was in, whether I was leading it or whether I was um, supporting it, I found that what I heard from most of the teachers that either I was working with or leading, they just didn't feel prepared to really support diverse learners, Hmm. whether they be diverse in their learning abilities or whether they be diverse in their culture. Mm -hmm. Um, Nationally, we see that teachers are coming out of their class, their uh, professional training, and they're not really prepared to support black and Latinx 
students in particular mm-hmm. and why those two groups well because data just continues to show that they are underperforming mm-hmm. they are disproportionately suspended mm-hmm. disproportionately expelled i mean there's so many um, data points that show we really don't understand mm-hmm. how to truly respond mm-hmm. to um, bipoc communities and their needs and so i spent some time researching this with my dissertation mm-hmm. i wrote a book on it and so i thought why don't I really start this work in really training teachers to do it Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. and do it in a way Mm -hmm. that is practical, it's doable, it's action oriented, and it's also building their self-awareness, but giving them an opportunity to go back into their classrooms and actually practice this work. And I think that's so important because there's a lot of ways you be, you can become aware. Mm-hmm. But once you become aware, what do you do, right? right. What's your yeah. step after that, yeah. you know? And I think that's where Truly Pox sits. It, it's able to to kind of sit in that gap mm-hmm. and really begin to close it. Hmm. Okay. Wow. So, well, as you were navigating through your career, did you experience yeah. bias in your own environment? And how did you deal with it? Oh, my goodness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, I, you know, because I'm able to reflect now, I experienced bias really mm-hmm. all of my life. I mean, mm-hmm. I can remember things as, as young as being like five and six years old in my school experience and mm-hmm. not knowing that's what that was then, but right. clearly knowing it is what it was right. now. Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, well uh, let me, let me just, that. let me just, um, hold on. Let me just stop you there. But is, is this the same? Uh, I read something about your experience when you were in second grade and mm-hmm. how, and how did, how that affected you? So can you please, please share yeah. that story? Or were you going into yeah. that direction? Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, as I shared, being like a pretty confident young girl going into school, um, I was just a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. I always loved to, to talk and share stories and learn from other people. Mm-hmm. And I really just thought that's how the world worked because that was what my environment did. We always right. talked, we shared stories. Yes. We, we motivated each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> so uh-huh. I thought you did that in school, you know, and really we do, we ask young people to bring themselves to school, right? Yes. Their full self. Yep. I did that. And so in first grade, it actually started in first grade. Hmm. Um, I remember very vividly getting a U in self-control hmm. on my report card. And um, you at this time, you know, this is back when they were handwriting report cards. Uh-huh. Um, the, the U stood for unsatisfactory and, um, I was unsatisfactory in self-control because I was a talker mm. and I actually uh. use this when I do keynote speaking uh-huh. and any kind of presentations, I show them this, my report card from first grade. I still have it. My wow. mom kept everything. Uh-huh. And on this report card, there was not one positive comment oh my about me. Not really? one. Oh, geez. Not one. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, the very last comment that was made on the, the last marking period was that if Taryn would just learn to shut her mouth, she'd be better off wow. next year. And so here I am, a six-year-old, right? Uh-huh. And I'm actually a May baby. So I go all school year being basically 
five, Mm -hmm. you know, until Mm -hmm. I turned six. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it was rough, you know, Mm -hmm. I really just felt like I loved school, but I questioned if school loved me back Mm -hmm. because I just couldn't find, I, I couldn't tell if my teacher liked me or Mm. cared for me Mm -hmm. and so my mother was an educator so I always had that kind of other parallel to it Mm -hmm. that because she was an amazing teacher and so I knew that there was something that your classroom experience didn't always have to be like that but Mm -hmm. mine was and so in second grade actually I I guess they compared notes because in second grade very early on in my second grade experience my teacher um her name was mrs smith Mm -hmm. she i was chatting and she took her hand and squeezed my mouth (gasps) my jaws shut so tight that it it popped a tooth out of my oh my gosh Mm -hmm. wow so when she let go one of my loose tooths were, were inside of my mouth and I was holding it like oh in my, my mouth. Goodness. And I remember feeling like, Oh my gosh, my tooth just fell down, fell out. And I'm, it's, it was painful, uh-huh. right? Because uh-huh. it wasn't quite ready to come out. Yep. But at the same time, it was no comparison to the embarrassment I felt. Mm. I was so embarrassed. You know, I had everybody looking at me and of course they were looking at me again because I was talking Mm. and I had tons of friends. So sometimes my friends didn't even know Mm -hmm. why I was kind of getting in trouble because they they were enjoying my company. We were enjoying each other's company, but they clearly knew that I was in trouble. Oh, wow. And so it really informed my school experience because I, I learned very early on, I had to be a different Taryn Mm -hmm. in order to succeed. Hmm. And so I did, I became different so I could be successful. Well, okay. So what was done regarding the teacher doing that to you? (laughs) I mean, did your, did your parents, were they horrified? I would have been, I've been like, oh my gosh, what, what, you're not supposed to like, manhandle yeah a child I'm like you were a baby I don't understand I am a baby yeah yeah and you know what my mother is very much um an advocate for me and and you should see her now as a grandmother Mm. I mean (laughs) she she is on a whole nother level Uh but Uh I will have to say like i I believe that when I shared what happened to my mother, Mm -hmm. I mean, to me with my mother, it was shared in a way that really, I think I really tried to protect that teacher in Mm -hmm. some way. I wanted, because I had already gotten the messages Mm -hmm. that I wasn't supposed to be talking. Wow. And so in my mind, I did do something wrong. And so there was some sense of fear Uh in really telling what this teacher had done. Because in my mind, I did do something bad, hence possibly deserving Mm. what I got. And so the story that was shared with my mom was very much watered down in a way mm-hmm. that she did not know the severity until more recently when I was writing in my book and sharing these stories. And she was horrified, <laughs> yeah. horrified. Oh my that gosh. What really happened. And again, I'm little, right? Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. am not making all these connections. Right. 
like yeah. you do when you're older. And so going back into your childhood mm-hmm. is just so important because mm-hmm. you, you know, when I'm building this company and figuring out why is there so much fire in my belly about amplifying voices? Mm-hmm. What is that about? Mm-hmm. And that fire came from these experiences that I didn't know how profound they would be in my future. Mm-hmm. What had happened to me at five and six and seven years old. Wow. Um, and so although the origin story of Truly Pock is definitely, you know, knowing that teachers need this level of support, mm-hmm. the fire came from knowing my voice was shut off right. for many, many years. And it was shut off by the very people that were supposed to be helping me learn who I'm supposed to be in the world and mm-hmm. shine. Wow. Right. Yeah. And so that is really Hmm. where the fire comes from when we think about amplifying voices and valuing differences inside our schools and communities. Hmm. Um, But, but if my mom knew the full story, I'm sure it, she might even be on the news quite. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. And with good reason. (laughs) Back then it would have been, I mean, I I just couldn't imagine like you five-year-old you, you know, having that experience and of course yeah I mean I can understand how that would influence or you know shape you know your thinking because you're like oh I guess I'm not supposed to do that and then it follows through as you as you become an adult um so that that's really interesting I mean so I also read that you were a single divorced mom at 23 and <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and you've seen since remarried, um, but yes. how do you think that experience shaped you, you know, to be where you are now? I mean, from t- five years old yeah. to 23, you know, being. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you, so when you are, when you come into the classroom as mm-hmm. the person you enjoy being most, mm-hmm. right. And then you are in grave trouble because mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. You you have a couple of options, not many. You mm-hmm. have, you're either going to keep this track and you're going to keep getting in trouble, mm-hmm. even if you believe that's who you are, mm-hmm. or you're going to change so that you can survive. Right. And yeah. most people change mm-hmm. so that they can survive. It's actually the smartest thing to do, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so that's what I did. I mean, I realized that, If I was going to be good at school, I had to be quiet. I had to be reticent. I had to smile. I had to nod. I had to make sure the teacher felt that she was doing or he was doing a good job Mm. by training me up. Mm -hmm. And that was the game. Hmm. And many, many people, young people play the game of school. Yes, right. It's an easy game to play, unfortunately. Yeah. And so... um, I did that. But Mm -hmm. what it did was it shaped a person who knew how and and actually eventually preferred to just be told how to live life. Ah, Um, I began someone who played it small Mm -hmm. a lot of times. So Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't go for the biggest thing that I thought I deserved. I would go for the thing that people wanted me to have. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And so what changed? How did that, how did you shift that mindset? And, and, you know, and what was your aha moment for that? 
Yeah. Well, so when you are young and you grow to be an adult who does what other people want you to do, you mm-hmm. make a lot of poor decisions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes. Because they're they're made, they're choosing for you what they want for them, not what's good for you, right? So I end up um, being in a relationship that you know at the time seemed like a good one, but mm-hmm. looking back, wasn't mm-hmm. the best for me. Right. And I ended up getting. Um, pregnant at around 21 or two, then married, then divorced. And then within that year, mm-hmm. within the year of all those things happening, um, I started the year pregnant as a new mom and ended that year divorced. Mm-hmm. Because again, mm-hmm. I was kind of making decisions that right. other people wanted me to make, or at least I thought other people wanted me right. to make. Uh-huh. Um, and so it was the birth of my son. Mm. who changed that changed everything because Mm. I realized when I realized I was having a boy Mm -hmm. and I knew that I would be having a black boy in the world Mm -hmm. that frightened me Mm. it frightened me to my core and this was this wasn't even at a time at the height that we have seen um with the killing of George Floyd Mm -hmm. and um the racial uprising we we saw during the pandemic. Right. I mean, this wasn't even at that time, mm-hmm. right? This was 16 years ago. Yes. And so, but it was still powerful for me to make a change in my own life because I realized if my black son were to follow suit as society expected, mm-hmm. he would not live probably mm. past 18. Wow. His life depended on him being able to be who he wanted to be in the world, Mm -hmm. not who somebody expected or wanted him to be. And so I knew if he was going to learn that message of be who you want to be in the world, it had to be modeled by me. Right. Yeah. It had to, I had to live it. And so he really revealed the importance of me having a voice and how important it would be Mm -hmm. to stand up against the grain. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like just not follow what everybody is doing, but do what you believe is right in the world. Mm -hmm. And so when you do that and your heart is pure and your intentions are good, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be worrying about someone shutting you up. You do, but you have a lot more fuel to keep going. Oh yeah. For sure. Because your purpose is way bigger. Right. Right. Than their power. Right. Yeah. And so he he was the the epitome of that. Like he started that movement in my in my life and I've just never looked back. And so mm. I owe that transformation to him, really. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> so I went on your website, Truly Puck, and the yes. first thing that I read really struck me, which was your school needs a cultural reboot. Yes. <laughs> so what does that mean? And I, I mean, in your opinion, what hasn't been done in the education sector that you think needs to be addressed? Well, I mean, so yes, schools in general need mm-hmm. a cultural reboot, right? Mm-hmm. And the reboot begins with us. It mm-hmm. really begins with us. And mm-hmm. so research shows deep and systemic, um, it shows that deep and his systemic racism exists in our society, but we don't need to be fooled that it can't be fixed mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it can, Yeah, it can be fixed. And we are the people 
that need to fix it. And where should this work begin? It should begin inside our schools. Hmm. And so I think when we take a moment and we look at young people, whether we're talking about our youngest of learners who were five and six years old when mm-hmm. I was bright and bubbly and confident about who I was in the world, mm-hmm. or if we look at our Gen Zers who are leading some of our biggest movements right. around gun reform, yeah. or that's leading our biggest movements um, in inside of politics, these are people who are wanting a change in our world or wanting to simply just be who they want to be in the world. Right. And they yeah. get it right very early. Mm-hmm. But then something happens during their school-aged years. Mm-hmm. They get these compounded messages that tell them, in order to survive this, you have to conform. Mm. Hmm. It's the very message I received. Right. Yeah. And nothing has changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now, yeah, and I'm an educator. I, I led schools, right? So mm-hmm. there may be a listener saying, well, what did you do differently? Well, first off, I did it wrong first before mm-hmm. I did it differently. So let's say that, right? Okay. But, but there are schools who, pockets of schools and pockets of places who really get it right and allow children to explore and be curious mm-hmm. and to really discover mm-hmm. who it is that they are to be, right. discover their purpose, their interests. But there are many, many places, and particularly people of color, mm-hmm. don't get that opportunity. Right. Yeah. They are told from the jump that who you show up as mm-hmm. is unacceptable and we... we who you come as, that's not who should should you should be. Hmm. You need to be different in order to be here. And so that's why it needs to happen in our schools because our young people are already there. Mm-hmm. They're already coming to us curious and excited and confident. Right. We just need to keep them there yeah. and yeah. cultivate it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm picturing a little yeah, a little young a young girl who's so excited mm-hmm. on her first day of school and then, you know, with that excitement comes curiosity and then, you know, to have a system who that that actually like silence well, yeah, I mean mm-hmm. muffles it mm-hmm. and silences it. That definitely has to, you know, affect that young girl going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I can relate because when I was younger, when I was in yeah grade, in grade school, yep, my my report cards also said too much talking. <laughs> it was like you know, <laughs> I was like um, really good grade, you know, just like really good student, but just wish she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't be talking so much. And so I <laughs> saw I I saw that, and my parents of course were like, you can't do that, and, you know, they were very very mm-hmm. strict and very conservative. And, you know, being from Asian parents, they're like, nope, you cannot be, you know, like, you shouldn't be questioning anybody and uh, especially teachers. So I came away thinking, oh, okay, I really should not be creating trouble. I should not be, you know, um, getting some attention or, or, or having someone come to me, you know, to silence me. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it, it's, that's, profound because it does affect uh it does affect the person 
Um, and, it does. Um, and then you realize, oh, wait, you know, <laughs> when you're an adult, it's like, um, you know, had that not happened, you know, who um, knows? Who knows? Who right? knows, right? Yeah. And look at look at us now. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're using our voices to help change the world. Yes. And had someone saw that gift in me mm-hmm. at five, mm-hmm. yeah. Who right. knows who I would have been? I may have been the very same person, but I know mm-hmm. I wouldn't have searched so long right. for that voice again. Right. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So. I I really do focus on schools first. I mean, uh, another bit of research is that research shows that teachers are more likely to recommend preschool suspensions or expulsions when a child is black, a boy, or is physically bigger than their peers. Wow. Yes. That's crazy. And so that's crazy, right? Yeah. In preschool. And so I have a, I'm sending a preschooler. My, my youngest Mm -hmm. is going to preschool in September. And Mm -hmm. I literally sat in a meeting Mm -hmm. and asked the question, do you expel or suspend preschoolers? Hmm. (laughs) And they kind of looked at me Uh and I said, well, I'm asking because of the research and Mm -hmm. they knew of the research Uh and they, they told me they couldn't find one reason why that would be the case. And why we wouldn't have several conversations before that would happen. But that's a real question for a mother like me. Right. Right. And it shouldn't be. Yes. You're right. (laughs) Yeah. You're right. And, and had you not asked that question, I wonder what would have happened, you know, had you not brought that up. Who knows? I mean, and of course there obviously are extreme situations that may happen. Of course. I don't know of them all, but yeah. for, but for preschoolers, pre- <laughs> oh right. Yeah. right. Think about what we just talked about, how yes. innocent you really do come just wanting to be belong. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that's why I decided to, um, start my membership program, um, mm. which is called cultural reboot. Mm-hmm. And so it trains, it provides ongoing training and support mm-hmm. to educators and parents yeah. in a thriving and supportive community mm-hmm. for learning amongst yeah. all of us, because it's also the, this idea that two perspectives can exist in one world and we can still support and mm-hmm. acknowledge one one another in a respectful way. So there's obviously training that goes on mm-hmm. and we want to impart knowledge, but we also want to learn together. And right. so it's a learning community. Mm, I love that. So do, do you think that women, especially women of color, are still having to fight through so much bias, especially in the education sector? Yes. I mm. mean, <laughs> yes, but I, I have to be, um, honest and say that that bias mm-hmm. is is it's it's multicultural but it's mm-hmm. also right within our own culture yeah um right. so we're we're struggling um because we are we are marginalized in so many categories yes, you know i mean sure. just being a woman yes, right for is sure. a marginalized category yep right now a woman of color mm-hmm you know, it's almost double down. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and so I think what that does, it creates unnecessary competition. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it creates dysfunction. Yeah. Um, and I personally have experienced really just wanting to be in the room with other powerful black women mm -hmm. and not always feeling accepted that they wanted me in the room, which is really, which would be, which confuses me. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I think again, it goes back to feeling like I just got here. Right. Mm. I, I mean, if I could, if I could channel um, what I am thinking, mm -hmm. and, and I have lots of conversations about this with other black women in, in really powerful positions, and I'm not the only one that has ever felt that way. But mm -hmm. at the same time, when we talk and kind of gather, it's like, we have to remember that generations before us, there was a lot of fight to get at the table, even more mm -hmm. fight than we're putting in place now. Right. And so when you were that one black woman or yeah. that one black man or that one Asian mm -hmm. um woman at the table you felt as if another one came mm -hmm. <laughs> that mm -hmm. would create this competition or that would be harder or that would be more right. difficult to maintain and yeah I think with today you see the shift in let's all sit at the table ah, okay but that is not that is a new concept and mm -hmm. idea that mm -hmm. we can all sit at the table that there is a life of abundance waiting mm -hmm. for us mm -hmm. that we don't have to push and pull and kick right we can all sit together right. whereas i've been in rooms mm -hmm. where i think the narrative around being there mm -hmm. was just it's, it was more different in the sense of i just got here mm -hmm. and when i get when i know i'm secure i'll bring you along but mm. until i know that you're yeah. in the way Ah, you that's know, interesting. Yeah. And it's difficult. It's yeah. really difficult when you just want to be in the room because you want to learn. Right. 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 And you're so honored to yeah. be amongst another powerful, you know, BIPOC woman. Yeah. So, well, it takes, you know, a, it I, takes away, it takes away, you know, the, um, the importance of what you're there for, as opposed to, yes. <laughs> you know, it's yes. not about it's not about you. It's it's a bigger picture, but it's hard to do that when you have, like you said, something that's already been established systemically, and trying right. to fight that. Yeah. Yes, the system has it created that, and when and you know, and I'm always pushing back when when we we say the system, right? Mm -hmm. Because we know the system is made up of powerful people. So mm -hmm. we're talking about individuals, but it's true. It's there's these structures that have made us think that there can be only one bright woman at the table, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And, yeah. and that's not true. Yes. Collective, the power is in our collective right. results, yeah. right? When yeah. we come together. And so, that's awesome. so yeah. yeah, the bias definitely is there in the education sector, particularly mm -hmm. because it's a predominantly female industry. Mm -hmm. um, and when you are an educator of color, yeah. that just is, that just creates even more, you know, sometimes it can create even more division, but yeah. the hope is that it doesn't. And that the hope is that we get better in recognizing our gifts, our yeah. talents, and why we are there at the table okay. all together at the same time. Right. <laughs> no, that's, that's so true. So I read that your father was a Vietnam vet and your mom yes. is, was a teacher now, uh -huh. did, did their careers influence you to be of service to others as well? Yes. 
Um, yes, but if I had to be completely honest, when mm-hmm. I left high school, I really wanted to be um, a fashion editor. Oh, <laughs> okay. I did. I wanted to go to New York City. I uh-huh. wanted to work for Teen Vogue. Uh-huh. It was yep. all written out for me. I was a yearbook editor in my high school, so it was like, hey, this uh-huh. is perfect. Uh-huh. And my mother did not like the idea of me going to New York mm. um, and being young in the city, mm-hmm. so... She sent me to my commuter school, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I literally, mm-hmm. like, my, my college that I went to was, like, in my backyard. Oh, my gosh. Like that's how okay. close it was. <laughs> but uh-huh. the good thing was I graduated um, in two years and seven months with a uh-huh. bachelor's degree. So I hunkered down. I uh-huh. focused. And I got my education degree, and I just continued to get degrees in education mm-hmm. um, and grow myself in that way. But so my mother definitely influenced my teaching career, mm-hmm. clearly, right? Mm-hmm. And my father, he was just always, again, like his mother, that community influence. Yeah. Um, he was an only child, so mm-hmm. he kind of had his his friends or his extended family were his friends and you know, those in the neighborhood and those he went to school with and, of course, um, his uncles and cousins. But he was very much um, a person who was of the community. Mm. He saw himself as just like everyone else, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and there was just a a humility about him that I think um, I really work to embody. As often as I can. And, you know, recognizing that, you know, our journeys are different. Mm -hmm. Tess, you and I, we had very different lives, but we probably had so many similar Mm. experiences Mm -hmm. of growing and developing in the world that we are more alike than we're different. Oh, I think so, too. And, And that's what my dad really really understood about the world. And I think when he was in service and Mm -hmm. when he was in Vietnam, I can imagine him being that constant for even this foreign land that Mm -hmm. he was on. Mm -hmm. He could see the human in Mm -hmm. everyone. And so I really try to see that because I know I'm talking about a really difficult topic like race and power and privilege and Mm -hmm. money and all the things that one would say makes us different Mm -hmm. and I'm coming in to take those topics and build perspectives upon one another so we can at the core of them see how similar we are right right and I get that from my dad that's awesome so would you consider your parents um, would you credit them for where you are now oh absolutely Mm. absolutely I have to I have to pay homage to them (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I mean you know again like I, when I think about my parents, I also just think about the kind of parent I work to be all the time. And mm-hmm. so my kids are also mm. huge influences on, you know, who I'm trying to be in the future. It's it's mm-hmm. just really about creating a better world for them. Yeah. I just think they deserve it. Yes, for sure. Almost definitely. So moving forward, what are your personal goals for the future? Or is there something you haven't yet done that you would like to do? Oh, well, so, I mean, my goals for the future, I I really want to be an influence in the world that helps to cultivate diverse leaders and thinkers in our world. I Mm -hmm. mean, I would love to have contributed in some kind of way 
so that we have more diverse leaders in, poli in policy. We have diverse leaders in the sciences and we have different and diverse leaders in the medical field. I mean, school mm -hmm. is where you learn who you want to be when you grow up. It should be, right? Yes. And so yes. if we are helping cultivate this next generation, it is happening every single day when mm -hmm. young people walk through their classroom doors. Mm -hmm. um, and so I want to be able to influence the world in that way and mm -hmm. show people that they can truly be who they want to be because greatness lies in all lanes of their their history mm -hmm. in their world, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and so I, that's how I want to give back. Um, I, I want to be able to say that I've supported that mission. And I guess, um, I think the other question was around like personally. Mm -hmm. Yes, your personal goals. Mm -hmm. or, or something you haven't yet tried for yourself that you would like to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, there's so many things I haven't <laughs> yet tried. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, um, I guess one thing I haven't done mm -hmm. that would be really cool to do is I'd love to just continue um, talking to more people, but I'd love to, like, meet Oprah. Like, who mm, wouldn't? <laughs> exactly. Or, or like, yep. be able to just kind of um, have a, an actual conversation with Michelle Obama mm. or, you know, some of these amazing women mm -hmm. that are doing whatever they can possible yeah. to create change. I, yeah. I just think there's so much more for me to learn and mm -hmm. to be able to be in that kind of space. Yep. I mean, it's like, um, oh that's gosh. like a Disney dream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you never know. You never know, right? You never know, right? It could be in the future. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I would love, love that. that. Oh my gosh, that would be amazing. Oh my gosh, and then you'll have to let me know when that happens. <laughs> I totally will. I'm coming back to yeah. talk about it. Yeah, exactly. So, um, is there anything else you'd like to say to the listeners? Well, I would love your listeners to um, learn more about the Truly Pop Mission in amplifying voices and valuing inclusivity and cultivating the next generation of diverse thinkers and leaders. And mm -hmm. I'd love for them to share. I mean, we've all been in school, mm -hmm. right? We've yep. had to, yep. <laughs> um, we've had to go to school. So we know an educator, we know a teacher, we know a parent, we know a school leader that could use something like this or could just peak their interest in seeing if it's something they want to learn more about. And so right. I would just really love if your listeners would share mm -hmm. um, with others or if not get in on the mission themselves. And so the way they can do that mm -hmm. is by going to www.trulypocevolution.com. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. And that is where you can start your journey on figuring out how do I fit in in this journey and how can I pass this opportunity along to someone else? Right. Thank you. Uh, so if you had one thing to change that you wish you had done years ago, what would it be? Ah, uh, one thing to change years ago. You know, um, whether it's personal or just in the world. Mm -hmm. Either one. I would think personal. 
personal, you know, I wish when I was, you know, cause I, I think your inner voice always tells you yep. what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wasn't a good listener of my inner voice because my voice in general was getting me in trouble. The inner voice is what was starting all the trouble by telling me to talk. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. not listening to myself. And so I, I really just began that process more recently. Um, uh, the last probably 10 years or so really listening to myself. And I wish I would have done that sooner. I mean, mm-hmm. so if there are young people listening or parents listening, I think even when those children are being difficult, that there's an opportunity to see who they can be mm-hmm. and just allow them to keep growing and listening to themselves mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we are born with our intuition fully intact. Oh yeah. Yeah. For and sure. then stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so my thing is, how can we continue to cultivate and grow young people to listen to their inner voices? Mm-hmm. I wish I would have. And mm-hmm. so that's the one thing I would change. If if I could go back, mm-hmm. I would have listened to her mm-hmm. more because yeah. she knew what to do. Yeah. She knew what to do. And even five, she knew. Yeah. And if you could go back in time, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, I would tell, keep talking, girl. You're going to do something. That voice is going to help change the world. Keep talking. Right. And, you know, you do have to learn boundaries, right? Of course. Of course. Respect boundaries. Yes. But you don't have to change who you are. Yeah. Right? Your boundaries can just help you be a more refined and, you know, together you, Mm -hmm. but you can Mm -hmm. still be you. Yes. So. No, I, I tell her, talk away. I love it. I love it. And it's it's so funny when you said that because I'm like, yep, yeah, you know, had I listened to my younger self, mm. I would have just said, you know, I was like, okay, I can somehow figure out a way to mm-hmm. still use my voice but not get in trouble. <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I mean, of and course. Look, 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 the best yeah. women in history make trouble, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Trouble isn't all bad. Yeah. No, not at all. Getting in good trouble. Getting in good trouble is always good. <laughs> That's right. That's right. We're getting in good trouble now. Yeah, I love that. And and you know, it's it's amazing that as we were talking about this, and I'm reflecting back, and I'm like, huh, you know, had I just somehow, well, how would how would a child know how to how to navigate through all of that? you know, all mm-hmm. of the craziness and the busyness mm-hmm. and, and, and the noise around, you know, as a child, you don't, you're not given the tools to do so. Right. It's not until right. we become adults that you right. learn how to maneuver around it and navigate around it. Um, right. It's, unless, it's, yeah. Unless you have adults around you. Yes. That understand how important it is. Yes. To let you be you. Right. Which For is sure. why. For sure. My, my truly Pac exists. It's to. It, we recognize young people can only learn the world by kind of tripping and falling and mm-hmm. making mistakes. Like that's yes. just how you learn. Right. For but sure. When you're around an adult who doesn't recognize or understand that 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 is a part of your process and doesn't see the beauty and value in you yeah. from the beginning. Right. 
that's yeah. where the problem really is. Right. Right. It's an, it's who you see me as. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. not necessarily that I'm making mistakes. Right. Exactly. But that right, but that you see my mistakes as a deficit to this world. Mm-hmm. That is the problem. Right. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Oh my gosh. Well, Dr. Fletcher, thank you so much for sharing your life and thank your work you. with me and my listeners. I was really fascinated when I looked onto your site because I'm like, it you know when I, especially when I saw that segment about you know co- the cultural reboot because it's so it, it it's so important especially now you know like whatever whatever all these things are going on in in our society right now it's so important yeah. to really recognize that these young people are are going to be adults one day and how are they going mm-hmm. to navigate you know mm-hmm. this world if they don't have the right tools and how to approach um the different systems that they are bombarded with you know so but so I, I mean uh, yes I, I so appreciate you know what you're doing and um Thank I, you. I really hope that it it resonates with so many you know because it makes sense you know um and it is definitely not something that I would ever know how to do or or even yeah. like I wouldn't something it's not something that it's at least in any curriculum I've seen for sure um, growing up or even you know having a child who is out in the world um, but I yeah. do hope that you know your um, mission gets through to a lot of people um, because it's so important it's Thank so important you. to start from the beginning if from when they're young, it makes a big difference. Yes. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, Tess. And, and I really appreciate you creating space for this mission to live and breathe, honestly, because that's what it's going to take. It's mm-hmm. going to take sharing because yes. to your point, you said, I, you know, I hadn't experienced this um, in curriculum and mm-hmm. I wouldn't even know how to get started. Right. right. And yeah. that is, a hundred percent what we hear over and over again, which is why we exist. We want to be able to be that space where mm-hmm. people do kind of learn from each other, right. make the mistakes, fumble a bit, but yeah. know that they're in a place of learning right. and support. Right. Um, and that that's why we're here. So thank you for creating a platform for me to be mm-hmm. here mm-hmm. and for other organizations that are doing great work in the world we yeah. appreciate you oh thank you I really really I, I am so lucky that I'm able to do this and just <laughs> really highlight you know your work as well as so many women who are out there like creating different initiatives to make this world better you know for for our children and future so but I yeah. appreciate uh, what you're doing and thank you so much for coming on and I look forward to hearing more about it and please keep Thanks. me posted with, you know, Will do. wonderful. I love it. Okay. Well, All have right. a good day. Okay. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's our show for today. I've posted more information about Dr. Taryn Fletcher on revwomen.com. Thank you for listening. And I hope you'll tune in every Thursday for another episode of Revolutionary Woman. You can listen to Revolutionary Woman on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast.
just a little note. I've launched a Patreon account to support the show. All proceeds will go to producing and editing the episodes to give my poor husband a break for being my personal IT and production department. He wrote this. The address is patreon.com slash revwoman. <laughs>